Hey, everybody. Welcome to The Asian Americans. This is your host, Jerry Wan. Wherever you are, whenever you may be listening to this, I wish you all the health, happiness, and safety in the world. This episode that we're sharing with you today um, is a recording of a conversation that we had about three months ago uh, for our Candid Career Conversations. It features Sun Win of LinkedIn and Sarah Yu of UCI Mirage Business School in a conversation that was hosted by two students, Jeanette Mai of UCI and Manny Lim of Cal Poly San Luis Obispo. Even though the conversation is about three months old um, and we recorded it and had it broadcast onto our Facebook page, we actually never uploaded into the podcast. And even now, I think three months after the fact, and the summer is mostly over for most students, still thought it was very good, relevant, and timely information. And some of it is timeless information on how you can leverage your network, your LinkedIn profile, and just tips on career as folks are getting ready to seek for fall internships or continuing to search for their full-time employment. So I hope you get some value out of this conversation. Please do look at the show notes if you want to get in touch with any of our guests uh, to further your network and your education. And if you want to have us uh, produce more content like this, please let us know. Uh, so far, we've had a group conversation on topics ranging from career to the census and the very timely topic of Black Lives Matter. And we want to be able to provide content for you that uh, you're going to get most value from. So again, this is a replay of a conversation that we had on the Asian Americans back on May 7th on the topic of careers. And big thanks to Sun, Sarah, Jeanette, and Manny. Without further ado, here's the conversation. Hello, everybody. Welcome to Dear to Dear Asian Americans, a conversation to us, by us, and for us that aims to celebrate, support, and inspire fellow Asian Americans. Uh, my name is Manny. It says Quan over here. I go by Manny. And we have over 40 conversations available across our podcast platforms, including episode 29 with our very own Sarah Yu. And you can look at our Instagram at Dear Asian Americans for the latest news. So today we're going to have a candid career conversation. We wanted to have this event because with everything going on with COVID-19, there's a lot of uncertainty. A lot of internships have been canceled. I myself am still looking for an internship. Some full-time offers have been canceled and we wanted to share tips and strategies with students to navigate the career landscape, especially from the student perspective. So we're gonna start off with introductions. So my name is Jeanette, I'm a third year at UC Irvine studying business, especially particularly marketing and I'm going into digital marketing. And as I said previously, I'm Manny, I'm an industrial engineering student at Cal Poly. Um, and I lost my internship this summer as a result of everything going on. So we're all here together going through the same thing and hopefully this helps some people get ahead and find something. Hey everybody, I am Sun Nguyen. Um, I am a campus business recruiter at LinkedIn. So I handle a lot of the entry-level uh, sales talent we bring into the organization. Um, so I do normally, I've uh, been in recruiting for 15 plus years, both on the college admission side and the corporate recruiting side. So good to see y'all. 
Hi, everyone. So great to join you uh, for this conversation. My name is Sarah Yu. I'm a career advisor at the University of California, Irvine, uh, at the School of Business, uh, helping our business administration students like Jeanette. And um, I've been in the college career space for a little over 10 years now, uh, formerly with the University of Southern California, where Jerry went to college, as well as Pomona College in Southern California. So I'm happy to be here. So to start off, we're, we're going to have a Q&A session for our structure. And to start off, we're gonna go over how the perspective has changed for what students should be preparing for. So I wanted to ask Sun and Sarah, what has changed from a recruiter perspective due to COVID-19? What should students be doing right now? Well, fitting that you asked that uh, from a recruiting, recruiting point of view, um, you know, I. I don't do like a, a peer volume play on LinkedIn, even though I work for the platform. Um, yeah, I don't make a ton of posts, but I, I did feel kind of compelled to make a post the other day just to with, kind of address this exact situation. Um, I think what's going on right now is that a lot of companies are doing hiring freezes or hiring pauses on the positive side. And then on the negative side, you know, people are just getting jobs and internships that are cut. And what I've really seen is a, lo a lot of students um, are worried about the next next step already. And that's kind of been the biggest concern, right? A lot of people are rightfully looking at internships and jobs this summer, um, but the part where the big stress comes in is people are thinking, oh, if I don't land something now, what happens later? Um, and my biggest part right now is just worry about right now and we'll deal with later when it gets there. Um, my big point is that everyone was super scared about not having an internship or not having an experience this summer or right away and afraid how it's going to impact them again for their next play. And I say, don't worry about that right now. I mean, I know there's a lot of things out of our control, but as a recruiter, we will see what happened in 2020 um, and we'll know that things like this happen and we're not going to hold it against you. Um, and I think that's kind of been the biggest thing in the environment was like lack of opportunities. And I don't want that to, to kind of snowball in, into getting people to kind of affect negatively. I think I could add to that as well, to, uh, the really great points that Sun is making is that um, across the board, we're seeing about 35% less jobs being posted on job boards like Indeed um, as of, uh, compared to last year. And so there is a significant drop in the job number, number of job postings. But I think for my students, what I would say is definitely take a collective deep breath um, I think many of many students that I've worked with are feeling panicked or anxious. And first off, I would say, let's make sure to take care of ourselves. You know, that's really an important message um, that we're all in this together. And that um, many students, especially wanting internships, are looking for great experience. And I can go into this a little bit further on in our conversation, but there's many ways to gain experience. And that doesn't look like, doesn't have to look like being with a name brand company like Google or Facebook, because that's what a lot of people equate that with, but there's many forms of and ways to get valuable experience. So that's a really good point I want to make. I like how both of y'all emphasized like the mental health aspect of all of this because it's not just the recruiting aspect. That being said, a form of mental health and taking care of yourself is also planning for the future, like to figure out what we're going to do in a little bit, not like too far, but for now, it, since the internships and full-time offers are on a low. What do you think is the best way for us to navigate that space right now? Um, yeah, I will jump in on this one. Um, I would say definitely take a multi-pronged approach, multifaceted approach. So um, 
definitely being active on LinkedIn, you'll see postings of companies that are hiring as of today, as of this week, because that information is changing constantly. So be active in your network and follow companies that you care about, because if you follow them on LinkedIn, you'll get a notification right away if they are hiring or if they have posted a new position. Um, there's also a job platform for college students called Handshake. And I'll share this link in the resource uh, guide that we're gonna send out to all the attendees. But there are over 500 companies currently that are actively hiring uh, students and recent graduates around the world. So that's 500 companies, some that have newly been added this week. So I think getting most up-to-date information is gonna be really critical because it, you know, day-to-day -day that can change. Um, so I'll just start with that. You know, the other thing that I would add is, um, you know, I think we get a little bit worked up about experience. Um, but if you think about why you're trying to get experience is to develop a skill set. Right. And so I think there are some avenues to work on your skill set and develop technical or collaborative skills that are without cost. Right. So I say that because when, when as recruiters, if we're doing a search on your profile or looking for students to fill a job, we don't just look for job titles. We look for skills. Right. It could be the Adobe photo suite. It could be Java. It could be anything. Right. Random stuff. So if you're able to find an opportunity just to um you know, gather people and, and like lead a study group, right? Like you can figure out what kind of skills you throw there. It could be, you know, things about leading a scrum. It could be things about project management. Like these are all skills that will pop up when we're looking for people. So even if you don't land something, um, you can find a way to add a couple little pieces to the skill set. That'll count still. That's such a great I just add one more thing to that. I think that's such a great point that many colleges, including the one I work for, UC Irvine, is offering free access for students to use sites like Coursera and Udemy and other sites like that, where you can, you know, upskill during this time. So that's a great point. In terms of our, our LinkedIn, um, what are the most effective ways to stand out um, in terms of how we have the About Me section, the bullets that we have for our experiences? Uh, maybe a customizable link if, if you think it's worth it to do things like that. Uh, how in-depth do you think we should go um, on our profile versus our resume? I think there are probably three or four quick tips I can provide. Um, first one, I, I think would be the headline, right? So if you look me up on LinkedIn, my LinkedIn is just LinkedIn slash in slash sun. Um, pretty lucky I was able to get that handle. But um, if you go through to the right upper right-hand corner of your LinkedIn profile, um, there's an opportunity to, to look into your settings and adjust your customized URL. So when you start out with us, it'll usually be your last name, first name, dash, dash, and a bunch of numbers. And I think if you find an opportunity to actually customize that link, um, one, it's easier to give out, and two, it's a lot easier to put on your resume. So when you put it on the resume, it'll it's a much more attractive link. I know it's a minor thing, um, but it's a nice thing. It's usually a combination uh, of like your first name, last name, whatever you like. If there's some numbers you want to throw in there to to kind of make yourself noticeable. That's an easy way to customize your own link. The other thing that is actually pretty important is your headline. So my headline right now is um, LinkedIn recruiting for good. Normally it's um, recruiter slash advisor slash consultant. Um, you know, if you look at Jerry's, it's like connector slash blogger slash dad slash everything slash go-to guy. Um, but it's a good way to kind of brand yourself and, and kind of alter your perception before you get into a room, before you have any sort of discussion. So your headline can be aspirational. It could be about your background. Um, 
but yeah, just find a couple of, you know, four or five quick words or statements that, that you think identify who you are and what you want to show to the world. Um, and again, that's the headline is right under what you see in your name. Um, super easy to change. And then I think the other two things would be the about me portion. Keep it short. Um, not, not like one sentence short, but short about a paragraph, five to six sentences about who you are, what you're currently doing, what you've done, and maybe a little short blurb about what you care about. The shortcut here, I don't want to call it a hack, but a nice thing to understand is for me, after I have my paragraph about um, who I am, I have a quick little couple bullet points on my areas of expertise. So I just open text, enter in, you know, leadership development, interviewing, college admissions. And the reason why I do that is because all fields are searchable on LinkedIn. So if a recruiter pops in and says, hey, I want someone that has had experience in journalism um, and you put in journalism as one of your skill sets, that'll actually pop up in our search. So um, that's how easy about me. The last thing I wanna say is when you're building out your profile, it doesn't have to be as intense as your resume. Um, so you don't have to go in and, and actually use 10 bullet points and, and describe every single fact and figure. I would just go enough to maybe put in two to three bullet points you know, for each position you've had, each leadership position, maybe a little bit about classes or schoolwork as well. Just enough to talk about your skill set and your experience. So, all right, that was a lot. <laughs> yeah. sad. Thank you. Sarah, do you have anything that you want to add um, to that that you've experienced or do you think that's yeah, I, I mean, I would, that's a lot. <laughs> and I think it's <laughs> comprehensive. Um, just to tag on to that. Um, I think that definitely that's a good point that especially a time like this, where everyone's spending more time on LinkedIn and Facebook and Instagram, like your digital presence is incredibly important. So making sure that even having a profile photo on your LinkedIn, I've noticed a lot of people, whether professional or student, a lot of people don't even have a profile photo on their LinkedIn. So to make it so that you're connecting human to human, make sure you have a clean, clear photo uh, headshot on there. It doesn't have to be um, on a fancy DSLR, but just as long as it's in good lighting, um, people want to connect, <clears throat> people, you know, and people want to help people. So make sure that it's clear and that you look like a happy person on there. <laughs> that, that That's a quick tip I have to, to add to that. That's a great point. Um... So a not so secret LinkedIn stat that we have is people with profile pictures, I think are 18 times more likely to get responses from other people. That's a pretty significant deal. So when you are customizing your LinkedIn profile, there's also a setting to make your profile picture visible. Um, I know some people block it off to like the public or block it off past second or third degree connections. If you don't mind, just make it visible to everybody. Um, it really will help you out. Yeah, one thing, one thing that I want to note that I had, um, I guess it was maybe default for me or I chose it, but my picture never came up unless I was connected with somebody and I didn't know that. So I was connecting with people and I didn't have a picture. So I assume that's why a lot of people didn't connect back because they didn't know who, I mean, they can't put a face to it. So maybe look into your settings and make sure that you have your, your picture visible to everyone, not just your connections. Exactly. And then following, following up on that, um, not only from your LinkedIn, but when you go to an in-person interview, what qualities are you looking for? And how do you think we can effectively use the, the STAR method in order to exhibit the qualities like grit and perseverance that 
the recruiters and um, hiring managers are looking for during that interview? It's a great question. Um, and there's a lot here to think about too, right? There, there are some traits and competencies that are very much about the particular job. Um, and then I think there's others that are that are a little bit more universal, like you just said. Um, so I think the first thing to remind everybody what STAR method means in a behavioral interview process, STAR means you go through the interview by talking about the situation, the task, the action, and the results. Um, from a recruiting point of view, I think you want to spend most of the time on the task and actions. So you spend a little bit, just a quick minute talking about the situation that you're put in, um, and you want to reflect a little bit at the end about the result spend the majority of your time on on the task and the actions because that's going to show um, and demonstrate what you're capable of doing in the past so whether it's um, you know grit which is one of the hot topics right now for everybody um, or being resourceful or being collaborative um, or being reliable um, the best way to do it is always to give specific behavioral examples so if someone asks you about a time you made a mistake don't just say, if I made a mistake, this is what I would do. Um, it's okay to be vulnerable, vulnerable, especially in that mistake question, like actually give them a mistake or a time you legitimately failed. Um, but it goes the same way. Like if someone said, can you tell me a time you led a team? Think about a student club you actually led. Or can you tell me about a time where you had to take a project from start to finish? Talk about that class project you were given with four other people and you didn't know how to proceed and how you worked it out with everybody. So always get as specific as possible. Really, really try to stay away from hypotheticals is probably my best example for those competencies. Sarah, you got anything to add about interview advice you've been giving your students? Yeah, absolutely. Those are some great tips. Um, I would say many students right now are doing virtual interviews as well. So uh, whether that's on Zoom or Google Hangout or another platform, I would say try to keep your answers brief, but still give the key points. So um, say up front, just say, you know, if they ask you, what are your strengths? Say, you know, I'd like to hide, highlight two of my top strengths. Um, they are A and B. And I also, also like to share a couple examples that go along with that. So really provide a lot of structure and framework around it. And as much as possible, try to anticipate what they're going to be asking you based on the description of the job or the internship that you are applying to. So many times the questions that you're going to be asked are not going to be curveballs. Um, so just make sure you do your homework and, you know, have those stories ready and structured. So speaking of doing your homework, one other recruiter tip is, especially for early in career or, or early college graduates or internship experiences, uh, people really get excited about a certain company or a certain role. And so when you get asked the why question, they just talk only about why they want to fit in this particular job, or they only talk about why they want to work at that cool company. When the recruiter cares about both. So whatever you do, just remember to talk about fit in role and fit in company. It's not enough to assume that the recruiter or the hiring manager knows you want to be there. Um, make sure you talk about both. Following up on that, are there any things that we should avoid, any red flags that we should avoid during these interviews? Well, from a recruiter point of view, this one's a tough one. Um, I, I don't fault any candidate in the moment saying, hey, how do you think I did? Do I have a chance to go to the next interview? But that's a tough call for a recruiter to make in the moment because a lot of times um, they have to get back with the hiring managers. A lot of times it's just, they just don't have it scheduled in to be able to sit down and give you detailed feedback. 
So I would say just be really careful of asking for real-time feedback. I love it. I love the ability to be coachable, um, but there's probably a better time and place than at the end of the interview to ask what your chances were or how well you did. Um, the other red flag is try to come with a question or two. I know you may feel like you know everything about the position or the company, but you got to play the game a little bit. Um, you know, like Jerry and I talk a lot about just, you know, you, you got to play sometimes. And even though, you know, you've, you haven't figured out, or you kind of know what's up, like have a couple of well-intentioned questions about the interviewer or about the work or about the job. Um, sometimes you walk away and you're just like, oh, I wish I could have had a little more time to engage with that candidate. I wish I would have known want to know about. Um, but those are my two that come to the top of my head. What I'd add to that is um, just be careful not to badmouth. Maybe if you're sharing an example for the behavioral questions, like try not to badmouth a professor or a team member that you worked with where you just didn't have a great experience and you felt like they dropped the ball. Just talk about kind of what your uh, responsibility and your reaction was and to make the best of but try not to kind of put a negative spotlight or blaming other people. I think that just reflects poorly on you. Um, and the second thing is I would say never apologize. You know, don't apologize for a, maybe you didn't have a chance to do an internship last summer because you were busy working part-time and earning money or you were taking summer classes. So don't apologize for something that you didn't get a chance to do, which is in the past, but focus on what you have to offer. You know, focus on the positives rather than you know, spotlighting what you don't have or didn't get a chance to do. And going off that, when you when you do walk into your interview, you're able to show your personality to to the hiring manager. When you're just sending your resume out, what tricks do you have and what tips do you have to show your personality through um, through your experiences or maybe a little section on your? Do you think a section on your resume is worth it? to add about yourself or is that too cheesy what, what do you guys what is your opinion on that yeah no I, I think a, a few bullets is definitely the way to go um so first thing I would say is if, if anybody still has an objective section on your resume just take it off I mean we, we know your objective is to land a job or land an internship at this specific company um and you're just kind of honestly just using real estate that could be used for other bullet points on job descriptions or classwork so let's assume you've taken the objective out. What I would do is at the very end of your resume, you know, you have education, maybe some experience, uh, and then maybe some technical skills. Um, I always have a section that's either an about me, awards, honors, miscellaneous, and it's only going to be two to three bullet points, but that's kind of where I would show a little bit of personality. Like you can talk about your travel or some of your cool leadership experiences or your favorite student clubs, or maybe even a hobby or two. Um, you know, obviously keep it professional, but it's something nice and easy for a potential interviewer to have, especially when they're interviewing you that day. It's a nice little, you know, help the awkward moments if they can kind of see what you're interested in. Um, and it just gives, again, two or three bullets is probably enough at the end. Um, I think what I could add to that as well is I've heard of students like getting a little, like, especially in a field of like marketing or something that's a little bit more creative, like fa uh, retail or fashion or entertainment is um, you might want to customize your cover letter. So I heard a story where a student was applying to an internship with NBC Universal and they, in their cover letter, they designed like a peacock and they wrote their cover letter in the, in like a, 
the style and format of a peacock. So not everyone has that kind of graphic design abilities, but just as an example of trying to find ways to like think outside the box to show that you really care about that brand or that company and um, showcase your, your skill sets if you have those. Yeah. And to double down on what Sarah just said, cover letters still do matter. I mean, maybe not with our friends at Google um, because they don't require one. They, they just say, just give us your resume. But even two paragraphs on why you want to be there and who you are as a person and why you'd be a good fit is pretty helpful. Um, you know, I can tell you that when I recruited sales trainees last year, there were a few times in the room where we were getting on and making those offers. Where we actually went back to the cover letter and to look for personal stories um, to kind of see what they've been through. Um, and to see that it, it actually matched what they told us in the interview process. So whatever you put in the cover letter, make sure you actually talk about that kind of stuff in, in the rest of the interview. Same like in college admissions, right? So back when I was in MBA admissions um, with, with Jerry Wan, uh, when candidates wrote in about their career goals, wrote in about what they want to do, we always compared it back to like their actual application and, and what they would say and what they would try to mark. So yeah, spend a few seconds on it. It still, it still helps. Say a student has already gone through the interview process and they connected really well with the recruiter, but for whatever reason, they didn't land the job. What are some tips for maintaining that connection? Well, I mean, LinkedIn exists for a reason. Um, you know, I, I go back and forth, honestly, about trying to connect with your interviewer in the process. Um, but I would say afterwards is always fair game. Um, you know, one of the great tips that, that I, I see from some of our people here on, on right now is, um, you know, when you connect with somebody, always add like a, a mini little message, just one or two sentences on why you want to connect. So it's always good just to be like, hey, again, thank you for the opportunity. Um, you know, I, I know it didn't work out this time, but, you know, I'd love to stay in touch. And, and that's usually enough to work. Most people um, that are doing interviews are uh, at least like their company and are open to sharing and talking. So that's always one good note. Um, if you still want to send personalized emails or letters, that's cool too. But I think just something short and sweet is the best way to go. Um, I think what I would add to that is um, definitely there are maybe students on this call or professionals that are in the interview and hiring process, but unfortunately they're offer, you know, there's a hiring freeze of the or just for whatever reason, the opportunity didn't pan out. But I think it's a great tip to stay in touch. You know, um, just because that company is going through a freeze right now, maybe in two or three months, that might be lifted. So you never know. So it's not a bad idea to stay in touch and just check in maybe every couple months or so with that individual if you feel like you had a good conversation. Um, I also know sometimes candidates ask, do ask for candid feedback. Um, if the opportunity went to somebody else. Um, and depending on the recruiter or the contact, they may or not, may not be able to share that information with you. But I think just showing how you respond to that reaction is going to say a lot about your character and your professionalism. So just make sure that you're conducting yourself in a way that um, shows that you, you're a great person, regardless of whether or not you get the opportunity. Thank you. What are some like specific ways you would try to touch base with them again? Like, what would you exactly say? Um, I think you can, I think if you see a news article where uh, there's an update about that company on LinkedIn or on their social media accounts, um, you can message that individual and say, hey, I just saw this great um, update about your company in the news or on, on your LinkedIn company page. I just made me think of you and hope everything is going well. 
So it could be as simple as that. Like you saw something that made you think of them or something that is happening in the industry that you saw on a good website or blog, you could just share that link with them on LinkedIn as a message. So just, it could be small things like that. It doesn't have to be a three paragraph email. <laughs> that's a lot, you know, to, to think through that, but it could just even be a, a short little thing. And it's also a long game too, right? So if, if you ping someone and pretend to say, oh, hey, what's going on? By the way, I see this thing that's available just yesterday. Can you help me? That's different than just slowly staying in touch throughout the months and weeks and years. Um, you know, at least when you ping somebody or, or shoot them a quick LinkedIn note, um, to echo Sarah's point, um, it usually has to be more than just, you know, stopping by to say hello, wave and peace out. Add a little bit of area that you can, um, you know, connect with somebody or at least leave it open for them to, to write back to you. Um, like I've had a lot of people connect with me on LinkedIn the last couple of days. And, you know, sometimes talk about LinkedIn, Sometimes they talk to me about where I went to college. Sometimes they talk about my experience in college admissions. So it just, it leaves it easy to engage. Um, another resource that students tend to underutilize is career centers. What are ways that students can effectively use them right now? Um, yeah, I can speak on that. So I would say first off is build a relationship with the staff members at the Career Center. So um, I can speak from personally that Jeanette is one of our students and we've had the a pleasure of like working together through appointments and she's attended a lot of our events, uh, both in person and virtually. And so start building that relationship. So it doesn't feel like it's a transactional interaction, uh, but we wanna to get to know you and let, uh, hopefully you guys can get to know us. And so by building a relationship with Jeanette through appointments, I understand that she's really interested in digital marketing and content creation and um, you know, working with partnerships and brands through her social media activity. And so let us get to know you so that if we see opportunities at companies that are popping up, we can send you a quick email and say, hey, I saw this, you might want to apply for this. So um, it just keeps you top of mind. Um, so that kind of start with that, but also follow all follow your university social media accounts. So a lot of career centers right now are doing Instagram live stories. Um, they're featuring companies that they have built a relationship with that are actively hiring. And so make sure you have up-to-date information and follow them on all the social accounts. Oh, and sorry, one more thing I wanna add is that find out um, if you can get coaching on your interview skills. because because it's a really valuable skill and many of us get really nervous, uh, which includes myself, is um, you know, figure out what kind of resources you have available, whether that's a virtual mock interview or um, there's a software out there where they record your answers um, and, and they flash the question on the screen, which is used in like software like HireVue. So find out what kind of resources you have available because your school's already paying for it. And so, that means you're paying for it as well. So make sure you're utilizing it because it could really help you build valuable skills that will help you um, make that great first impression. For sure. Adding on to that, like how Sun said earlier, whenever you're reaching out to people or trying to build a relationship, making it authentic and talking about things that actually are interesting to you is really important. So me and Sarah, Sarah and I actually met at a networking event, but we bonded over our love of food. So that was actually how we formed a personal connection. On the topic of whether we are able to find an internship or not, um, if we are not able to secure an internship, 
what are the alternative projects that you recommend for us to to use our time that most useful and i'd like to get both this perspectives of academia and um for the, for us looking for internships and then for the others who are looking for full time maybe that sun sees at linkedin um if there's if you think there's any differences whether people are looking for internships or full time what they should participate in to effectively make use of their time yeah of course you know i, I think one of the first things and i think we got to be very careful of this and just like anytime there's a moment in the economy like this there's going to be people that that will say hey come and do free work and free labor just be very very careful of that um you know i I understand some people just want to get the experience, but just don't let yourself get taken advantage of um, just because as students, um, you know, some work that you do should be compensated. I mean, because your time is valuable. Um, so it's a decision that you'll really need to think about, right? Like you think about some things it would be nice to be compensated for and some things you're willing to do the work just for the experience, but just be careful when they say, do this just for the exposure or do this because I'm willing to give you an opportunity and you can work to get paid later. So just watch that there. Um, I think the best thing I said earlier is probably just to, to work on the skill set um, more than the experience um, and, and really take advantage of some of those free opportunities that universities have or that you know big organizations have opened up for people right now. I mean, I, I know that, like I think one of you mentioned earlier, Coursera's opened up a couple of different courses. LinkedIn's opened up 10 to 12 that you could just jump on and take. Um, and I think there's also um, strength in just anything you do to unite other people at this point in time. Um, so, you know, if you bring people together and, and have them chat about something or, you know, you develop a learning group, like any, anything counts. I mean, I think you just really want to just um, take a little bit of a time to go, okay, you know, I, I don't need to worry about what's down the line too much right now, but um, those two or three things are probably my focus on right now. Yeah, those are great tips. I would add to that um, for students looking for internships, there's something called micro internships. So that's been a new uh, fad that I've been seeing. But what they are is about five to 20 hour paid projects that students can bid uh, for and say, oh, I want to help this small business with a social media campaign. And this is the price that they're willing to pay for it once you complete the assignment. And that's something you can have a deliverable and a work sample when you do interview in the future. And so it is paid work. And uh, there's a website called Parker Dewey that you can go to and check out where you can uh, you know, offer yourself up as a, as a resource um, to take on a project like that. And those are paid experiences. Um, I think what I also I would add to that is definitely what Sun said about just caution yourself and taking free labor, uh, being free labor. Um, if you are open to that idea, just make sure you make it very clear how many hours of work um, they're expecting you to do. What is the outcome? Um, you know, what is the recognition that you, how much publicly can you share about the project on your resume or on LinkedIn and whatnot? So just make it very clear so that there's no misunderstandings later on. And as safe as possible, volunteer work during this time, if you, if you can get it or are safe enough situation where you can do it, will be valuable. I mean, not necessarily because it'll just look good on a resume, but because it'll make for a good interview answer later, right? So when someone says, can you tell me about a time where you face uncertainty, you can actually say, yes, this is what I did with my time. You know, don't kill yourself over it. But again, any 
anything you're doing is a is a net positive at this point. Um, so look at it that way. Um, and I'd also add to that about Coursera or LinkedIn Learning. Like if there are classes that you completed, I think it's fair game to list that on your resume. You know, talk about a uh, couple lines or two about what you learned by taking those online classes. So it may not be that you're sitting in an office working on a team project in person, but you still learn something, whether it's a skill or area of knowledge. So don't undervalue those things uh, or even past um, classes that you've taken through your major or outside of your major, uh, where you had a project, you had a deliverable at the end, you had a presentation. Um, I would say don't undervalue those experiences because they are highly valuable. One thing that I've also seen some of recruiters, their certificate and they will they'll just say i completed this course right but um, another thing you could add to that just is maybe why you enjoyed the course and what you learned from it rather than just saying i completed x course to to maybe show other people okay, completed it but, but um, they also learn perhaps the skill set that we need from that um, so maybe that could help as well yeah, I think, I think I got what you were saying, Manny. Like if you're going to share it out, um, you know, don't just say you did it. It's okay to start a conversation and, and at least open yourself up for engagement with other people. Yeah, totally. Maybe I saw it on one of your posts. I don't, I don't know. <laughs> it was probably one of Jerry's. So I'm looking at the chat and one person asked, Jasmine asked, should I include all of my customer service jobs on my LinkedIn and resume, or should I just keep the most recent ones? Um, I would list them all. Um, yeah, I mean, you don't have to like have five or six bullet points for each one, but list them. You did it. <laughs> so how would you approach a career switch and how would you tailor your resume with transferable skills, but not direct experience for that? Um, uh, I, oh, sorry, go ahead. Please. Uh, I was just going to start off on um, my take on it is after your name and contact information at the, and LinkedIn profile, you're at the top of your resume. I'd say the next session, section can be your skills. And that's where I would list the transferable skills that you you feel that you have from your previous industry into the new industry that you wanna go into. Um, and then make sure that those keywords are also embedded in the experiences that you list right underneath the skills section. So however many places you can add it, go ahead and do that. Yeah, totally. Just tailor your resume to the job you wanna get. Um, and that's probably a place for the cover letter, right? That's the opportunity right there to say why you wanna make that career switch and whatever transferable skills you have. The tough thing to think about with the career switch, and I don't want to scare you all, is depending on the industry, um, experience will matter, right? So some industries are open to taking somebody and training them up, same with companies. So really think about whatever company you're looking at. Is it a trainee program that they're bringing people into, or is it just a one-off job? If it's a one-off job, it's going to be a little bit tougher to be a career switcher. So just be intentional about, you, about doing that and don't get too upset with yourself or get too down if you're not getting these opportunities. Um, and something I would just add to that, I, I realized it was an earlier question about for people who are looking for full-time jobs. Um, I just want to go back to a little bit is um, 
reach out to temporary hiring agencies that might be hiring people for short-term assignments. So it could be a, a three-month or six-month assignment, and um, it's not a long-term commitment, but that could be a little bit easier to get into a company um, than getting into a permanent role. So even for the career switcher, maybe it's an easier sell for you to uh, join the company temporarily on a short-term assignment rather than a permanent you know, investment that they have to make on you, which seem, may seem very risky because you don't have the, the direct experience in that industry. Um, another thing I would just add to the question about switching careers and industries is um, do some informational interviews with people who are in that career that you want to go into, that industry you want to go into. So using a tool like LinkedIn, you could find people that went to your alma mater who uh, have been working in that field and ask them for advice. You know, like, have you seen people in your field making a switch from another field into your field? And what kind of advice do you have for someone like me? So don't be afraid to ask that question. Um, and people at this a time like this, they want to be a helper. So everyone's here to be a teacher and give advice. And so as long as you're going from the advice angle rather than get me a job angle, um, people are more than happy to help. Another question we got from Yuhin is, do you think it's better to take any job right now that is similar to your interests or should you wait until a job that you know you want comes along? I think some of it comes down to your family and financial situation. Um, you know, I think the idealist in anybody, the optimist will always say, you know, take your dream job, like wait it out. You, you know, when you know, you know, when you don't know, you know. Um, but in a situation like this, you know, you also can make a smart, intelligent risk, you know, maybe, you saw something enough to apply to that company and that company saw enough in you to give you a shot. So maybe you take it, but just going with good intentions, I would just say, really don't force yourself to do it. But you know, if you feel like you, you have to support your family or yourself, then that changes the equation. And I, I certainly am realistic about that. Um, so I think it's a, it's a de depends situation. Um, but what I would say overall though, is if you really don't wanna do it and you don't need it, and it's gonna impact like your health and your ability to do other good things, then probably don't do it then because as recruiters, we will know how hard this time was. Um, so if you don't get a job or turn down a job and are useful with your time, it'll be okay if you can find a good explanation for it later on. Thank you. Son, how, how would we bring that up? Let's say we're in an, in an interview six months down the line and they say they address, um, we see that you didn't maybe participate in an internship during this period or, or something of that sort. How, how do you bring, how would you bring that up as a, as a person trying to not make an excuse? You know, you don't want to like you're trying to make an excuse for not getting something, but how would you um, relay that information? Yeah, I think there's there's two things. One, um, if you were somebody who had a job offer or internship rescinded, I'm thinking about how it would look on, on adding a bullet point in one of your sections, just saying, you know, you were originally slated to be an intern at so-and-so organization, but due to COVID-19, um, you know, is canceled or rescinded or deferred. That's one point. 
I'm leaning towards telling people to list it just so we have a further understanding of people's backgrounds. Um, but don't run away from it. I would say when the interviewer asks you that question, um, if you had one rescinded, talk about what happened and talk about what you did. If you never even got an internship or job offer in the first place, it's about what you did in that time and what you learned about yourself and how you, you know, how you try to work through it. That's what I would say. So you do recommend mentioning, if they don't bring it up at all, would you recommend mentioning it? No, if, if they don't bring it up, then they probably don't need to know, or they probably just realize sure. everybody's going through the same boat and had that same issue. So they're not worried about it. Okay. Thank you. Another question that we have um, from Natalia is if you can go back in time, what would you tell yourself after graduating college? And maybe add for those who are still in college, maybe during college, um, what, what, any regrets that you have or, or something you wish you would have done while you were still in school? Uh, for me, I honestly wish I would have used my career center more. Um, and I'm not just saying that, like, look, I, I was really, really lucky to go to a great school with a great alumni um, association and background. But at Notre Dame, I, I just felt like I had to do it on my own. I didn't know how much of a great resource the career center and um, could and would be. So that's my probably one regret as, as a student is just not doing that. Um, bigger picture, I think the biggest piece I would look back from then and now and tell myself is I don't have to do it all alone. Um, you know, like my parents didn't speak great English. They didn't go to college. And I just got so used to doing everything on my own and, and maybe even making a martyr of myself. But as I've developed professionally and surrounded myself with good people, I'd be able to back off a lot of stuff and hand off things better and, and, and just realize if I can delegate, someone else is going to do fine. If I give them the right tools to do it, um, that's probably the best thing I've, I've been able to do for myself these last couple of years. Um, I think what I would add to that is uh, I wish I studied abroad. Um, I'm hoping that many of the students on this call have done so or maybe plan to sometime next year or in the future, but I really wish I had the opportunity to uh, experience a different culture in that way as a student, not just visiting as a tourist, but actually like living and, and, and studying and breathing that, that culture in a different country. Yeah, getting abroad will really open your eyes because, you know, here in the United States, you still have a chance regardless of like where you were born, who you were born to, like you can hustle and grind your way up. If you travel and live somewhere for more than a little bit of time, you realize, unfortunately, some of these students and kids don't even have a chance. It's kind of sad and depressing, but if you get out there and you see it, it makes you a lot more grateful for what we have and, and opportunities that you can try to find for yourself. And I think this is a Great question for Jerry as well. So Jerry, you want to chime in and share? I was just going to say the same thing. I saw him <laughs> laughing. So I feel like he's got some regrets over there. <laughs> a lot of regrets. Well, regrets led me to going back to graduate school to try to do it again the second time. Um, and having the, the benefit of hindsight in both of those cases, care less about what your friends think, care less about what and befriend the hell out of everybody. Um, it makes a little bit more sense and it seems a little bit more comfortable in graduate school when the age gap seems to be smaller, but in reality, it actually might not be. 
maintain those relationships. Um, link, I didn't have LinkedIn in college, none of us did. Um, you guys have that now. It's this pseudo professional yet personal relationship that you can continue to build. You know, actually, you know what? Professors have friends who hire people. Go ask them for that. Asking for introductions. Um, they know people, right? If their peer set is very, very valuable to you. So reach out. Um, and I would say even if you're about to graduate, reach out to every single professor you've had and say, hey, look, I had some time to reflect. I enjoyed this about your class. And now as I graduate, I really love to say hello and to make sure that we touch base one more time before I graduate. Um, that's my, out of many that I have, I think that's the biggest that come to mind. Um, at the end of the day, titles, degrees, um, status aside, uh, we're all a bunch of human beings trying to help each other get through whatever it is that we're going through. So uh, reach out to your professors and that's probably been one of the most valuable experiences that I've had. This question is, what are the suggestions you have, um, tips and tricks for a Zoom interview? And I think that's a very relevant question for right now. Um, so in terms of, and maybe if you see the person staring off, um, what can you do to engage that person? Um, and what differences is there between a Zoom interview and a regular interview that you think? Well, I think one of the keys that I always tell people is, you know, practice doesn't make perfect. Perfect practice makes perfect. So wear, wear pants. I know it's tough right now for everybody, but like get dressed like you normally would for a real interview. If depends on the company, right? Some companies say it's okay. You can wear a t-shirt, but if they don't mention it, like actually dress and practice like you would in a normal interview. Um, and I'm a little bit old school. Like even if I just had a phone interview, like I won't do it in just sweats and a t-shirt. I'll actually like put on some decent clothes. Um, just, I'm a big believer in the, the look good, feel good deal. So, um, yeah, that's probably part one. Um, part two, a thing that I do sometimes is once I get my camera angle right, and I know that everything I'm doing is good on screen, I actually turn my self view off. And what happens at that point is I'm not looking at the corner. Or I'm not looking up to look at myself because sometimes you end up looking at yourself when you want to look at the person. So if it's possible in whatever um, Zoom or Microsoft Teams or Skype, I turn myself off after a few minutes just to make sure I'm looking at the right person and not myself all the time. Yeah, great tips. I would just add to that, um, you know, you might want to practice a few uh, questions that you anticipate, you know, with a friend through Google Hangout. You know, it, yes, it might feel awkward initially to do that, but not to sound rehearsed, but just so that you feel comfortable uh, explaining yourself, you know, explaining the examples, making sure they're clear to your, your friend, your roommate, your family member, whoever's on the other side of the Google Hangout, just go through that practice as kind of a rehearsal, but it's good to go through that so you can figure out, oh, did my background look okay? Uh, was there any distraction of noises? Was I using my hands too much? Like, um, you know, it's hard for us to be objective about ourselves. So getting that second opinion, I think is gonna be really important. So we wanted to thank Sun and Sarah again for coming and sharing their insights with us. And I think we can move over to, can everyone do the like hand clap? Thing? <laughs> <laughs> Love that. Imtiaz, all the way from Sydney, since you are joining us from down under, one final question. And we can do round table with all five of us best advice you've ever received that has changed your life? 
uh, I guess I'll go first is um, focus on building great relationships, um, not just with people you think that could help you that are above you, but people you work laterally with, um, people you can mentor, like invest in relationships because they really are lifelong. I would go with assume good intent. You know, the world's a hard place. You can't go in and assuming the worst. So try to give people the benefit of the doubt, believe in them. I'll, I'll go. Um, one, one thing that, that we all hear is reach, like reach for the stars and don't limit yourself. But I think we hear it so much that we don't really take it so seriously. Um, but like, I really never thought I'd be engineering and I'm about to engineering. You might limit yourself to a certain salary when you have the potential to make double that. So, so really think about not limiting yourself because I think that a lot of people just hear like um, reach for the star is more of like as a cliche, but um, don't actually do it. Um, so yeah, that's what I would say. I think one piece of advice that really stuck with me was taking care of yourself is an investment because if you're burnt out, there's no way you can perform well. There's no way you can do anything really if you're not taking care of yourself. Uh, the biggest lesson that I've learned in my life is that I can be eternally grateful to my parents for everything they've done, love them to death, and still never listen to a God thing, goddamn thing they tell me to do and do what makes me happy because I have to live the rest of my life by myself and I don't want to live that life resenting them for not letting me be me. If you want to learn more about Sarah, go listen to episode 29 of our podcast. Son, get yourself on the schedule because people need to learn more about you. Um, and, and so thank you. Um, connect. Obviously, the lesson of the day is stay connected to people. So find Son on LinkedIn. His username is literally Son. Um, can't miss it. Sarah's is Sarah U9. Um, find me, Jeanette, Quan on there. We'd love to stay engaged. Thank you um, for making and investing time in us today. It means a lot that you care enough about your personal development and growth and uh, spending time with us. So wherever you are, um, let's stay connected. Shoot me a note. Shoot anybody here a note. And best of luck. And know that we're all going through this together. You are never, ever alone. And everything is going to be okay. With that, have a wonderful, amazing rest of your Thursday. And have a great rest of the week. Thank you, everyone, for listening. Bye, everybody. Bye. And thank you to Jeanette and Manny for hosting. You guys are awesome. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks again for tuning in and hope you got some value out of the conversation. Again, we know it's about three months old, but I do think a lot of this stuff is timeless and really relevant information right now, even as folks are looking for their fall internships or continuing to search for their full-time employment. And again, big, big, big thanks to my dear friend, Sun Nguyen of LinkedIn and Sarah Yu of UCA Mirage and to the students who helped us facilitate and host this conversation, Jeanette and Manny. Forever thanks to you guys. If you found this conversation helpful and relevant to your stage in life, please do share it out with a friend or so, friend or so, friend or two, and I really would appreciate you tagging us wherever you can. You can reach us on Instagram, on Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, and even LinkedIn. Just search The Eurasian Americans. And if you have any feedback for me, 
Or if you have any questions or thoughts or recommendations or nominations for future ideas and guests, you can hit us up through the inbox on Instagram at Americans or shoot me an email, hello at TheEurasianAmericans.com, and I'll be sure to respond. Thanks again for tuning in. And whether you're gearing up to go back to school in person or virtually, or whether you are uh, continuing to look for that next job or working your current one, please take care of yourself uh, with mental health first. Um, As you're listening to this episode here on August 4th, I am taking my very first intentional day off away from all things work-related to reset, refresh, and to um, recharge and, and spend time with my family and do some of the things that really bring me a lot of joy, but I don't typically get to do, um, which is to read and to spend time with my kids and whatnot. So I encourage you to do the same, uh, mental health and physical health above all. Wishing you all the health, happiness, and safety in the world. Thank you for tuning in to the Asian Americans. This has been your host, Jerry Wan, and I'll see you on Friday.